Hi folks, it's Dr. Christine Sauer here with another episode of Sparkles for Mental Health. And today I'm extremely excited to have Dr. Shane Stedman on the uh, episode. And he is an amazing chiropractor, I believe from Denver, is it correct? Yep, yep. And uh, you specialize actually in a very interesting field. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, why you're doing and who you are. Oh, all right. Well, I'm, yeah, so Dr. Shane Stedman, and I'm a chiropractic neurologist, which that throws everybody else off because they go, what? What's a chiropractic neurologist? And they always try to say the whole thing together. But uh, a chiropractic neurologist, like, yeah, we, by practice, we focus on uh, what we call functional neurology, um, which is basically neuro rehab for the brain, physical therapy for the brain. What makes my practice unique is that we also uh, combine that with functional medicine. So we really look at the two worlds to, you know, and we blend them together when we're evaluating patients because you can have a neurological issue that can be as a result of a blood sugar disorder or diabetes or hormones or thyroid or you you name it. They, like everybody, that holistic approach, there's not one thing happens all by itself. There's other things that are as a consequence or contributing factors. And so we blend those two worlds together and that's how we work on our patients and get them well. Oh, that's amazing because not most people have that uh, thing, oh, a chiropractor, he cracks your back. It might help with pain, but what does it have to do with the nerves? Exactly, I know. And we get asked that all the time. They're like, you're gonna, are you gonna adjust me and fix my brain? I'm like, no, because you might not even need an adjustment. They may not be what's needed for you. So yeah, no, we do a lot of uh, a lot of rehab. I like doing chiropractic. I mean, we have some patients that come in here, and we and we'll do chiropractic. But you know, the the majority of our practice is neurology based and functional medicine. Now that said, uh, from my own encounters with my chiropractor here that I go to for over ten years, and you fixed helped me fix my chronic back pain, by the way. Yeah. Uh, um, so I'm I'm a big fan as a as a physician myself and doing integrative medicine. So I know that chiropractic has a lot to do with the nervous system, and chiropractors adjust the vertebrae so the nerves can function better. So it it must have an influence on general nervous system health, doesn't it? It does, and I mean when you look at neurology, um, you know there's there's parts of your brain that are activated by active by stimulation. So our brains have to be stimulated. That's what keeps us thriving you know so um so when you get an adjustment it actually there you you do in, impact the nerves but you also stimulate the brain and you make the brain like function a little bit better which is why people who have ever gotten an adjustment sometimes you feel more clear afterwards you go ooh, the sky is more blues because your brain got turned on and and so there's some really cool stuff that chiropractic does neurologically as well that a lot of people don't know they just think it's mainly for back pain <laughs> And, and it's amazing for back pain that I can just say that, but it is also amazing for the nervous system. And I know that my chiropractor, who is pretty good, he also adjusts babies for that purpose so that they don't even get into that uh, rabbit hole down the hole. And yep. speaking from babies and children, they often fall and have what we call concussion or traumatic brain injury. And often in the school system, oh, well, they have the concussion. Let's keep him home for a week or a month. And when he's okay, when he's, then he can go back and do whatever he wants. What's your attitude about that? 
Oh my gosh. We hear that all the time. And um, yeah, and I, and honestly, I couldn't disagree more, but I don't think what we see in kind of mainstream health right now is that concussion rehab. You know, I think a lot of it still is go home and rest for two weeks, maybe four weeks, sometimes three months and come back and check in and we'll see how you're doing. And if you're not doing well, then we can look at giving you some medications to help with the symptoms. But it, there's really not an aspect of rehabilitation. And I say this often, that if you sprain your ankle, we will spend a lot more time, resources, caring for you, supporting you, opening the door for you than we would if you had a brain injury. Oh, I love that comparison because uh, as you might know, I'm on a teaching team from Dr. Daniel Amen that you certainly know, and he connects traumatic brain injury with not only addictions and, and issues in adolescence and delinquency, but also, of course, with mental health issues. Uh, tell me about your experiences with that. You know, we see a lot of, you know, I think we see mental health issues on two sides. So I think we can probably split them a little bit. And probably the easier one is that we see a lot of mental health because of the frustration. You know, I think when you have a brain injury, I think there's the frustration, the anger, and the isolation that comes from it. Because when you can't do things that you used to do, I think it creates a lot of depression. Um, and so I think we're, we'd almost call that more of the situational version of mental health, right? Because anytime you isolate from a community, that has a really negative impact on mental health. And then I would say the other side of the, the coin is more of like, you have a brain injury, and if you injure something like your frontal lobe, it can throw you into a depression and it can throw you into anxiety. So a lot of times we see people that come in with both depression, and anxiety. And so we can talk further on it, but it makes sense to me. And that's what we traditionally see as a lot of the depression and anxiety. But uh, I would say with mental health, it's either situational or it's injury. Yeah, and I've seen uh, some of my clients had depression after a car accident, for example. And they had a concussion with a closed brain injury that often wasn't taken seriously by the insurers. And then on top of that, they couldn't do the things that they usually used to do. There's the frustration that you mentioned. And that is perceived as a significant loss. And it is, it is a loss of function. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they lose hope. I think that's a big issue. What do you say? Oh my gosh. That's probably one of the biggest things I talk about in my office is hope because I do think they've lost hope. And, and a lot of times I tell people, Hey, we're going to get you better, but their hope is so low, you know, that I say, Hey, let me, let me carry the hope for you. And as you get better, then you can start having more of it because, you know, I always think there's hope and there's always things they can do, but you know, when you're, when you've lost your job, you've lost your career, you can't play a sport, you can't drive a car, you're stuck in your house. You feel like there's no hope. And, and it makes total sense to me. And I think that's what's really hard. And, um, you know, and I love the term that brain injuries are also considered in the invisible injury because you can't see it. And so I think people aren't taken seriously and they're not, I think the degree of severity isn't appreciated often. And I think they just struggle, struggle through life. Yeah, and they may do a CAT scan and say, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with you, but that's not their everyday experience, right? Absolutely. I mean, that happens all the time. People get MRIs, CT scans, and they go, oh, you're totally fine. Like everything looks great. And, uh, and often we hear from patients that they're then after that given an antidepressant, 
you know, and saying, well, I can't find anything wrong with you. Here's an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety pill, you know, uh, come back in three months and we'll see how you're doing. And that, that seems to be the treatment plan that we hear most of the time. Um, what is your idea of a suitable treatment plan for somebody that suffers side effects or long-term effects from a brain injury that has significance over their life and it's more common than you think? You know, it, it, it's, 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 sometimes I, I laugh when we talk and my friends and my wife and uh, they even made this comment, I think over the weekend, I was talking to some friends and they go, sometimes the way that I practice medicine is, you know, in healthcare is that it, the common sense stuff should ring first, right? So the most common sense thing to say, how do we put a treatment plan together is to do an exam. And and it sounds so easy to say, but there's not that many people get an exam. I mean, they'll check your reflexes, check your muscles, say, look, follow my finger, check your balance, do finger to nose. And then they go, well, you look great. But if you dig deeper and you actually do a thorough exam, you can start figuring out where, where did they have the injury? And so then the treatment plan is focused around where that injury occurred, because if you injured your inner ear and your vestibular system was off, then we should do vestibular therapy. If you um, damaged your frontal lobe and you are having a hard time with multitasking and um, you know depression and mental health, then we should go more towards the frontal lobe and we should come up with exercises that improve frontal lobe function, that activate it. And you can do things like sequencing and timing and coordination and memory games and we can do all these things to build neuroplasticity. And, you know, and going back, I use the ankle analogy, but let, let me switch to a knee analogy because I like that one for this question is that if, if you injured your knee, right, you go to the orthopedic doc and you say, okay, I hurt my knee. And they go, okay, well, let me check you out. And they check out your ACL, your PCL, your MCL, LCL, your meniscus, your quad, your hamstring, your joints, your knee. And they say, you know what? with all my examination, I think you injured your MCL and we're gonna give you exercises to strengthen your MCL. And we're gonna do that for the next six to eight weeks. You're gonna do exercises twice a week. You're gonna do exercises on your own at home. And probably in six to eight weeks, you should be back on your feet. You have a brain injury and there's no examination. <laughs> at best you get a CAT scan and they don't see nothing. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you, just rest. Yes, yes, you will get more of an exam for your knee than you ever will for your brain. And you'll I think have there's no, no really reflexes yet you can directly apply. It's all indirect and requires a lot of specialized knowledge that yes. general physicians and even some neurologists do not really possess, right? Correct. So, you know, so if, if we think that you injured your cerebellum, then we should test finger to nose. That makes sense. Let's do, you know, a, a pronation supination. Let's check your balance. Let's check your eye movements. And we go, okay, the cerebellum works. Check. <laughs> Let's go to the next part of the brain. And so you can systematically can go to each part of the brain and find out what works and what doesn't work, just like checking your knee. You know, so just like your knee, if you say your MCL is not working, then here's all of your exercises for the MCL. And we do that for the brain. So that's your treatment plan is if you're, if you do a whole neuro exam and you go, your frontal lobe just is not working, then we're going to give you frontal lobe exercises or things that we can kind of drive into that frontal lobe indirectly to strengthen it and to build neuroplasticity. 
Yeah, I love that approach. So as uh, I've heard uh, of the benefits of hyperbaric oxygen therapy for brain injury, what is your opinion on that and the experiences with it? I like I like hyperbaric oxygen, or we can say HBOT for short. Um, it, hyperbaric oxygen works well. I think it's good because oxygen can be healing, you know. And so when you when you have your body that's saturated with oxygen, then we can really sometimes speed up that healing process. Um, you see this with athletes, you know, that they do a marathon, they'll do an HBOT afterwards to increase their, their recovery session. Um, so I think why not work for the brain, you know? So yeah, if you do get a brain injury and we have an HBOT in the office, so sometimes we'll do hyperbaric and then we'll do uh, rehab therapies in the office afterwards. And, and how are the results with that? Of course, I have to ask that. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, sometimes it's nice to either increase oxygen and then they can do better, you know, they do much better with their therapies in office, or sometimes we'll do therapies and then let them rest in the HBOT afterwards so they can recover quickly and not fatigue so fast. So, I mean, it's a really nice adjunct to the use the two together to get from point A to point B as fast as we can. You know, that's one point I really want to address because it bothers me a lot. And like many people, you probably also read the Medscape science articles and so on. And you see what so-called scientists put out there, and often it's more or less nonsense uh, for some payer, uh, or it says, well, we need more studies on that. And I find it personally very frustrating because most experienced practitioners on the ground that are seeing the results of integrative therapies then get confronted with what's supposed to be science that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think I think research is... I think there's some really great research out there, as you would agree. And then you, but you have to like sift through like the good and the bad to finally find good stuff. And there's a, a mentor of mine that actually went to school at Harvard. And I asked him, I was like, why did you go back to school? And why are you going to Harvard on a stats degree? And he goes, because I'm sick and tired of not figuring out which article publication journal is actually legit. And so he went back and got a statistics degree so that he can sift through the articles and say, that's garbage, uh, that's legit, because some of these articles are funded by one person or funded by a company or, or the, 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 uh, the doctor is doing it, but the doctor is doing it underneath the university, which is fine, but everything is like biased towards his thoughts, you know, his or her thoughts. And you're just like, okay, this is... It does. It does get frustrating. And so it's hard to sift through what's right and what's not good. Yeah. And that was the, the, I, I studied statistics too, I did business administration with a concentration in statistics. And I did it actually twice in Germany and here again, because I really wanted to get in it. And my favorite saying is do not trust any statistics that you did not falsify yourself. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Because really, there are excellent studies out there. I agree with you. But there's a conundrum of nonsense also out there. And I think the real test is when you have the client or patient in front of you and you see them get better with a combination of methods that fit that individual case. That's what you do at integrative medicine. That's what integrative functional practitioners do all over the world. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. You know, and I think sometimes with with articles too, is like you'll have somebody that takes a piece out of that, out of you know, and then they blow it up as the gospel, 
you know, and that's, you can't do that either, you know, so I think it's really hard as it's, it's kind of like what, I mean, we see this a lot in our, our current society, where sometimes you take uh, one sentence out of what somebody said, and you make that into a bigger, a bigger deal. And sometimes we do that in, in articles too. Um, sometimes you see that in supplements. I mean, I have to be fair to all aspects of medicine, but sometimes you see that where they, they take this one little thing, and now that's going to like cure and fix all the world's problems. And you're like, well, yeah, but this, but, but you have, you got to run your studies. And I, and I think that's, what's hard, but that's where you, people like you and I come into play to say like, what makes the most sense? Because we got to get patients. Well, we got to help people. And so we got to have the data, we got to have the knowledge and we got to have the tools in our toolbox to help as many people as we can. And, and I love that the way you say that. And I personally am a big fan of lifestyle medicine, nutrition supplements combined. I call it the nutrition symphony because it has to go together and to form harmony. But, and and uh, I wonder how you see the role of nutrition and supplements in traumatic brain injuries. I think they could be helpful. I think what's important in traumatic brain injuries is that uh, and some of the data talking about research, some of the research has shown that maybe in the first week or two to like hold off, which was kind of something that, you know, I wasn't taught at the beginning, but to say, let's, let's hold off because the brain can heal itself, you know? So, so you do want that, that aspect of letting the brain do its job. It's kind of like, again, if you like injured your knee, you do want the swelling to go down, but there's a reason why the swelling is there, right? You need but, that inflammation in the beginning. I agree. Yes. Yeah, and that's kind of where some of the research is talked about with brain injuries and concussions is that that inflammatory process is there for a reason, you know, that you don't want to, you don't want to like throw a ton of supplements at it because then the brain has to work harder to, to process that. And so, you know, so when you kind of get past that initial week or two, I think supplements can have some really amazing benefits. You know, when you look at fish oil and turmeric, resveratrol, glutathione, you know, there's some like really cool things that in the research, I mean, in the medical journals, they talk about how amazing these things are. Um, and so that's kind of what we'll utilize is to see, okay, at some point you go, okay, we got to get the fire out because it's been smoldering now. So we got to get the fire out. We got to get things to calm down. We got to get the person back on track because we don't want it. We don't want it to compensate long-term and cause a bunch of issues. Yeah, and, and I love that. And I, sometimes I, I see articles that the media pushes out like uh, calcium and vitamin D doesn't work. Well, I said, of course it doesn't because there's essential nutrients like magnesium K2 missing. Of course, when you just take calcium, vitamin D, all uh, you get is kidney stones. Uh, that's not helpful. So, <laughs> so uh, when they test one or two supplements in isolation, of course they do nothing. It's Absolutely. like listening to the drama alone and expecting it to be a symphony. <laughs> I, I like that. I'm going to have to use that now. I like that. That's a good analogy. I wrote, I just wrote my blog post about it because I really, I use it a lot. And I thought I have to put that down somewhere because it's like, like a symphony. Nutrition and supplementation should go together. The musicians have to play together. And there's the libretto that has to be established by a knowledge of a practitioner like us. Yes, yes. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think I think there's too many things in isolation. I mean, and because I think that's how medicine right now, and and we can sometimes you can pick on traditional medicine, but I think it's also you can it's fair to pick on functional medicine too. That sometimes we do everything in isolation or we just have a, a single focus and we bypass the symphony, you know. And so I, you know, it's like 
sometimes a functional medicine vitamin C is going to fix everybody, you know, like, is that really their cause? You know, and some things like medications, like, you know, they think that antidepressants are going to fix people's issues. Like, well, it's going to help, but if they still have a frontal lobe brain injury, it's just a band-aid. And, and sometimes even functional medicine and nutrition, we can say is just a band-aid and, and, and how practitioners don't really look at the whole picture. Um, so I think sometimes in our world right now in, in healthcare, I think we're getting too isolated and too focused on single nutrients and single drugs and single treatments and, and everything is like a one size fits all. And that's just not the case. Uh, I like the way you say that. And I feel the same way. And that's why I choose my brain, uh, brain health as a focus because the brain is the CEO of everything. So, mm -hmm. and, and the same with you, when you fix a brain, you really fix the whole body because it's attached and regulated by it. It's like repairing the computer. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a little more complicated and it's fascinating how it how well it works. And if you just if you forget to look at the whole forest or at least have it still in mind while the specialists work on the needles of the trees. Yes. We still have to have the, the, the woods in, in, in focus to heal the whole forest and not just one needle. And that's what I sometimes feel modern medicine tends to do. It fixes one little thing. And the rest of the patient gets untreated. Yeah, I, I agree. That's I agree. why I'm a fan of integrative medicine, like you do, I do, and 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 a combination medicine, you could call it. Yeah, and there's a, and I think, and I think to to maybe finish that that tangent, huh. I think this is where I think both holistic medicine and traditional medicine can come together. There's a time and a place for both, you know. And I and I think there are you know there's certain people like you and I that that do believe in that, but I think. Oh, if we did that more and more, I think that'd be amazing for the public and for people that are struggling. I think we need both. We need the specialists because there is very, very good specialized knowledge out there. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the patients and the physicians that are specialized, they don't even know what all is out there in the woods. <laughs> so I think what's missing really is, is more of us integrative practitioners that have the umbrella, the woods in mind, and then send the patients to have the individual needles that they identified as sick to treat it. I agree. I, I totally agree. I, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so I, I love that you do that. And chiropractors, of course, are trained to treat the whole body and not just what, the finger, for yes. example. Exactly. And, 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 and that's what I love about the chiropractic profession. And, uh, and uh, tell us a little bit more about your practice and uh, uh, who you serve and tell our listeners if they're listening, what they should best do if they are liking what you're saying and they agree with you and they say, hey, this Shane makes a lot of sense. I want to see Dr. Stedman or at least I want to talk to him on Zoom or whatever I can do. Yeah, you know, like our... our... I've kind of set up a, I guess the way in my office is that everybody comes in and we check everybody like head to toe because you don't want to assume that somebody has a condition when they don't, or you don't want to take the label that they've been given and just keep going with that label. So we kind of say, let's start from the scratch or let's start from scratch and, and see, okay, what do we need to do? So I love blood work. I love labs. Um, we are, um, history is comprehensive. Our exams comprehensive, you know, so we spend like two and a half hours with people just at the very minimum at the beginning, because I think 
if we, well, we, we learned in school, right? 80% of your diagnosis comes from the history. You know, so if you do a really good history and a good workup, you should come to the conclusion, you know? Um, and I think it's kind of gotten a little bit backwards in medicine where they do testing and then they diagnose off the test and not off the history. So, so that's kind of like what we do. And then once we figure that out, then we say, okay, what is, what, uh, what, what's the tools? And that that's the treatment plan, but that's kind of my, my, I love the toolbox kind of analogy. Cause I always tell people I, I have the biggest toolbox, you know, I have one of those big craftsmen, you know, six foot tall with all the drawers and, you know, that's, I want that toolbox. And so the more tools that I have and the more knowledge I have, then we can put those treatment plans together. Um, and that's, and that's kind of what we do for every single person. And, and the best thing that we do at the beginning is we always do a, a consultation because if it's not a fit, then I don't want to waste anybody's time. And if it's a fit, then let's rock and roll because, you know, I, I think I do a great job, but obviously I'm not the right person for everybody out there. And so I want, I want to do the best job that I can from the very beginning. I, I love that attitude. That's the attitude that every really good practitioner has and should have. And so if somebody watches this video or listens to the podcast and said, well, it makes sense. And he makes a lot of sense. How can I contact Jay? Um, usually, you know, we got two different websites that people go to that's either integratedhealthdenver.com. So the integrated, I just, I just love that term. So integratedhealthdenver.com or on the brain injury side, we actually have websites called integrated brain centers. So I kind of kept that. Um, and so, but we're also on social media, you know, like we do, you know, we're on Facebook with, I, you know, IHS Denver integrated brain centers and, you know, Twitter and all those things like that, because, you know, one of the things that we love doing is we just love educating the public, which is why I love doing podcasts. And I just got done with the radio show, but we do webinars and we do free webinars where sometimes we've actually done them where there's no agenda. And we just said, Hey, we're going to have all of our staff come on zoom. And we're all just going to do a zoom talk about, you know, with your questions yeah, and just and let's see if he can answer them yeah, it's like stump the doctor day i don't know you know so we we actually have a blast and so we'll do webinars so you know people can even just go onto our social media channels and look for the next webinar i think we're doing one in two weeks on on tbi you know so we're going to talk about different types of testing that are out there for brain injuries and what to look for and yeah so that's how you can contact us that's cool. So that, that is really amazing what you're doing. Uh, so they go to the website and then they can book maybe an online console if they really feel they want to talk with you. Yep, absolutely. It's so easy. We do it all the time and there's no, no, no pushiness, no salesy. We just, does it work? Great. If it doesn't, great. And we'll, we'll move on. And if you was listening or watching that, know somebody or ask somebody that uh, suffered one a traumatic brain injury or even had one in the past and is now suffering from mental health issues maybe it's worthwhile talking with Shane and seeing if maybe the traumatic injury that you had years ago could cause your mental health struggles now so that said do that the links will be there and i encourage everybody to do that and that's the end of today's show thank you so very much for being on the show saying it was a blast to have you on and this is another episode of sparkles for mental health growth in five dimensions make sure to subscribe to the next episode bye bye